Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science and spirituality are telling us that we are all connected, that we are all one. So what you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when the world awakens to the truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is All Things Theft with Barry Gillis. Barry is a former member of Jane Roberts' ESP class in Elmora, New York. Um, He was referred to as our poet by Seth. Barry has written over 4,000 poems and has published a book entitled Outside is a Secret Key, which is a collection of 100 poems. Welcome, Barry, to Awake to Oneness Radio. Thank you so much. Welcome, Barry. Hi. I'm, I'm, I'm welcome and awake. So good. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I, I, I recently um, saw on Facebook uh, someone po- posted a sign saying, I want more awake friends. <laughs> I thought that uh-huh. was cute. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Well, Barry, um, I am a little bit, um, I'm somewhat familiar with Jane and um, Seth. I, I did read Seth Speaks. Um, I want to say that was back in 2010, thereabouts. Um, could you please share with our listeners um, your experience? You had one-on-one experience and, and um, you know, interaction with Jane and with Seth. Could you please share that with us? Sure. First, let me, have, you know, just for the people who might not be aware, that Jane Roberts was a, a medium. They call them channelers now. And, but, you know, she was, she was a medium or channeler back from, like, 63, 1963 until she died in 1984, I believe. And mm-hmm. she channeled Seth. So that means Seth spoke through her. Yes. And he he called himself uh, a, personal, a personality essence that no longer needed a physical body. And so, and, and through Jane, he dictated, I don't know, dozens of books that her husband, Rob, took longhand dictation and those became the books you know that he wrote and uh he also held they held like classes and that's what you're asking me about um in the 70s in Elmira, New York mm-hmm. and so the the Seth classes which people have heard of as uh you mentioned to me off the air they they weren't really classes at, at all they were just a gathering of it's like among my friends and I we drove up from New York from Queens to Elmira, which is about a five-hour trip each way, and we wow. were in our early twenties. Yeah, and we were in our early twenties, and many of us weren't working much, so it was on a Tuesday. So we would leave like Tuesday around one in the afternoon. 
it started at about 7 and it went on till about like 11 and there was a break in, in between like a big break in the middle and and you know so that's how we got there and there was no you know when i went there i don't know if it changed later um there was just like a a donation you could leave in a in a bowl like you didn't have to to uh, wasn't like she wasn't into making a lot of money or anything so mm-hmm. if you didn't have money, you didn't have to donate something. I would bring a bottle of Galaport wine many times that we'd put on the table there, and everybody would, uh, well, I would probably drink most of it because I don't know how many people like Galaport, but some of my friends did and other people did. So um, we all went to Jane's living room, so it would be like just going into somebody's house, and then people are sitting around the living room. could be 15 mm-hmm. people or 40 people or 30, and Jane was in a rocking chair in front of the room, and everybody was just sitting on the floor on the couch talking, and um, and then each each class they somebody um, you know Seth came through and somebody t- typed up a transcript of what Seth said and what some of the questions were. So these are the uh, Seth class transcripts. So at the beginning of the class, after everybody was sitting around and the class was going to begin, uh, they would pass around last week's transcript to everybody. You know, somebody typed it up in the Xerox copies. And so we would kind of just, like, read the transcript and get into, you could talk about anything you want. It would get, the conversation would go uh, all over the place. And uh, in, a, in, a, in a loud way, a boisterous way, there was cursing, people were smoking, the lights were on. It was very um, unspiritual in any kind of classic uh, sense of, of mm-hmm. how people think of what spirituality is like. And... Um, and then in the middle of speaking, at some point, Seth would come through. And at this point, Jane, Jane wore glasses. And when Seth came through, he, he, you know, Jane took off the glasses. So when he saw the motion of her taking off the glasses, if there was arguing going on or whatever, everybody got quiet pretty quickly. And then we, we wanted to hear what Seth said. So everybody basically shut up and listened, so to speak. And, um, again, when he came out, he had a loud voice, kind of funny voice. It wasn't a feeling of a ghost or anything like that. It was just like another person talking very uh, passionately, I guess, if you will. And there was a lot Mm -hmm. of laughter. Seth was funny. He was serious. And um, one of the things I did like about class was he usually – he always made people feel good about themselves. So let's say if if, – Somebody was having an argument, and let, let's say most of the class was disagreeing with this person. Seth would come through, and he would agree with the people like, that what that person said, let's say, was wrong, but he would word it in a way that was kind of like a compliment for the person because he, oh, he was very uplifting and uh, giving positive feedback. And, and um, he also told us that we, we have the answers, that you don't really need Seth, that any any power you hear in his voice or vitality is just an echo of our own a power and vitality. And that when you ask a question, that's like a flag to yourself that you already have the answer somewhere inside. And if he answers the question, which he did often, but he said if he answers the question, the problem is you think you have the full answer and you really only have half the answer and you're going to stop looking. Um, so he always turned the power back to you and that, that, that you, you know, you're the one that, that you should ask yourself, go, go inside. You don't need Seth. And, um, I don't know. That's about all I can come up with now, unless you have further questions, I'd be happy to answer. 
Sure. Um, can you tell us more about Seth as a personality? You said he he was a personality that did no did not any longer need a body. So can you tell us yeah. give us a little bit more background on Seth? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you on on the experience in class. You know, in in human beings deal with each other. We have bodies, and we, you know, a person talks, and the voice comes out their mouth, and that's what happens. So when Seth came through. You know, Jane would stop speaking, and she'd speak in this different voice. It was like a deeper voice, and it had a kind of accent. Mm-hmm. And and um, so he, um, I'm, I'm not sure what else. One thing I will well, tell you, but well, let me just say one thing that I just okay. remember, because when he would talk, like I said, we'd all listen. But what I liked the best almost was sometimes he would come out, he would say whatever he had to say for however long it was, but instead of leaving, and you know he left because Jane would kind of snap out of it and, and ask somebody what, what happened, um, he would sit around sometimes. Like he would be there in Jane's body, and the class would start talking, and he would kind of just be sitting there, like listening like another person kind of. And that made uh, me, me feel, maybe others feel, see Seth as, as a person and not as uh this kind of hierarchical, higher being or, or whatever. Um, it's it's very difficult to turn Seth and his concepts into dogma or into gospel, which they, they I mean, Jane, and, and they all, read, you know, didn't want that at all. But sometimes when you read a book, you could do that. But when you were there and just listening to it all, it's very hard, like, to turn a person into that, you know, into that, when you see everything unfolding like that. Um, well, I, I guess... If you want, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. What I meant when I said, did Seth share any of his life, um, oh. you know, when he yeah. was in, in body with the class? Yeah, he shared a with few. The group. Um, one, one that just comes to mind now, he said once he was this uh, obscure, like, pope that was not the greatest pope in the world and was a little corrupt. Uh, I, that one just sticks in my mind now. But the the thing that about his past lives or anything is he he was connected with Jane and her husband Rob, you know. So we have like according to their terminology here, everybody like has a has an oversoul, and an mm-hmm. oversoul would, would send out its focal personalities, personalities that focus in different time periods. So like so he'd send out different. So so let's say I would have me here now. I'd have another personality in the 1700s and, and 2110, and let's say, and they would all be ongoing uh, at the same time simultaneously. Um, but Rob and Jane, they, their connection, they were connected with Seth. Like Seth was involved with their line of of people, with their line of focal personalities, I and see. that's why he said he was able he was able to come through Jane so well, or come through her at all. Both he needed Rob and he needed Jane. And, like, Jane somehow stemmed, like, there was, let's say, a fourth century or something. I forget now, but there was a person. So Seth was a person. And people also have probable personalities, probable realities. So let's say, you know, you, you, Caroline, you're doing this show, and maybe part of you, you were going to be a dancer once, let's say, and then you decided against it. But there would be a probable life you have as a dancer, Right. And that would be ongoing, and to that probable life, it would be real, and you here would be the probable one. Right. So Seth said that Jane stemmed, 
Yeah, so Jane said that, I mean, Seth said that Jane stemmed from one of his probable lives from this, like, fourth century existence or something like that. And um, But I don't remember if he didn't, I don't know if he went into that much. Like, it could have just not stuck in my mind about different life, lifetimes he had, like how he was once this and he was once that. Um, okay. He probably said more than I remember, but those are the only two things I remember. That wasn't a big okay. focus. Okay, I, I I understand. Yes, I I understand what you're talking about with the uh, simultaneous lives. That's actually where I I think I first heard because there were two two um, teachings that I followed quite closely that spoke of simultaneous lives. I believe Seth was the first time I've heard of it, and then also Bashar speaks about that quite a bit. So I do understand that there is no time. All lives that we're living, we're living right in this now moment because all there is is now. And then I do understand that that each life has probable, like you said, we could decide, like, um, I got married at 17, but there was a probable life that I didn't get married at 17. So that life is still taking place. Uh, you know, right. so I understand, when, especially with major decisions like that, like marriage and 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 career and things of that nature. Um, I think it's um, I think it's 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 more than that because uh, at least according to Seth, because he speaks of having infinite probable probable lives, ah. infinite probable realities. So, and I um, believe that's true. Yes. So they would just be springing up. Um, I think when I guess when you had certain decisions to make or something. Right. But so yeah, so we have the simultaneous lives, and some people find that confusing. Well, I mean, everybody should find it confusing. Our whole language is steeped in linear time. We always talk, you know, beginning and end. I'll see you at one o'clock. I'll meet you later. Before, all those are linear terms. So if time is simultaneous, all those really, you know, don't exist. But um, so when you think of learning and growing, instead of I, I, instead of a line getting longer, I think of it as an onion that gets fatter and fatter. So mm. thing, new things occur, but they occur as an onion getting fatter as opposed to a line growing longer. Exactly. Um, you know, and yes. you know, one of the things to remember is F, Seth called physical reality F1 or framework one. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, like you know, time doesn't exist and it's an illusion or whatever. The reality is a reality. It's just not, it's one aspect of the greater reality. So time, linear time exists, but it only exists on the physical plane. It's not, it doesn't exist elsewhere, but it's very important on the physical plane because mm-hmm. that's how we, we function. We get things done and, you know, we, we learn by, uh, by the sequences and what happens. Right. So it's like both right. are true. It's like time is simultaneous, but from our perspective in, in physical reality, it's also linear. Correct. Yes, time is definitely linear, and it's a useful tool in our linear reality. Um, I, I was just kind of referring to, because I, I always believed in reincarnation, but then when um, being introduced to the Seth material and also Bashar's teaching, now I understand that it's not truly truly reincarnation because all lives are being um, happening at the same time. And each life is affecting each other. Like my life now as Caroline, uh, 
whatever I do now in this now moment is affecting all my other lives in different times. So um, I always I always say on this show I like to keep things I, things can get as complicated as we like them to be, but I like to always bring things down to its simplest. Meaning, I say that to say I do believe. Um, in um, simultaneous lives. I believe that we're living many, I believe there's, in, in truth, in ultimate reality, there is no time, and everything is happening in the now moment. But in this now moment, that's where our power lies, meaning we don't have to know who we were or what we were doing in other lives to heal whatever um emotional wounds we may have from past lives or from childhood or from whatever, um, we can heal them in this now moment because this now moment is affecting all of our other lives. So if we decide to be more positive, more present, you know, more loving in this now moment, it affects all our other our lives. So that's why I say I like I like to keep it simple because people will like wait a second we have we have multiple we have infinite we okay as Caroline I have infinite parallel realities and I also have hundreds of other lies all happening at the same time woo that can blow somebody's mind if they try to think about all of that it's like you don't have to you don't have to think about all that all you have to do is focus on the now because now is where. It all is. It's all in this now moment. So you can make a more positive choice in this now moment, which will affect all of the other realities that you are a part of. Yeah, according, uh, and according to the terms of the, of the Seth material, he puts it that the present is the point of power, which is mm-hmm. saying what you're saying in the now moment. Um, yes. And also, just to reiterate something, that even though you have all these, whatever, infinite lives, whatever, your individuality, your personality is uh, is unique and inviolate. It doesn't it doesn't leave, uh, even like according to, to the Seth material again, um, when you die, you don't get swallowed up in some great oneness or you don't, your personality never gets extinguished. You, mm-hmm. you could join a more expansive self, but you don't get lost. You're still, you're you still have your personality, and it exists. That doesn't go away. It just becomes part of like you were talking about those other lives. Mm-hmm. You you become more conscious of all those other lives, but your life is still you know uniquely your own, and mm-hmm. um, doesn't according to the Seth material doesn't doesn't right. disappear. You don't get swallowed up into anything. I I believe that to be true. To you are, you are you, and you will always be you. <laughs> there's there's because I I believe there's eternal life. There is um, what we call quote unquote death is just a transition, um, but there is eternal life, and I do believe that all the personalities do continue on. Um, yeah, I remember one one quote that said that no matter how many other realities you go on to when you leave physical reality behind and you go on you'll never forget I forget something you'll never forget the smell of a you know of Tuesday afternoon or you know and the and the sun or Tuesday evening with the sun going down and and the flowers that you don't lose that and you don't forget that no matter where mm-hmm. you go right right now so did Seth ever mention why he decided to come what was his purpose of coming through I understand it was easier for him to come through Jane because of their 
connection. I understand that. But why did why what was his purpose of coming through? Yeah. Well, he said not only was it easier, he said it was really um, not possible for him to come through anybody else mm. uh, except Jane because of uh, Jane and Rob. And those those people who – there are people now who say they're, they're speaking for Seth. Um, and it, it, they, it's just Seth repeat. he didn't say it once. Seth said um, a number of times that he's only going to come through through Jane, that he that he could only come through Jane – and that in order to maintain the integrity of the material and its authenticity, he 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 would only come through Jane anyway. He didn't want a lot of different Seth quotes going all around the place and eventually mm-hmm. Jane's material getting contaminated. Right. So what's happening with these other people who, who claim that they're speaking for Seth, I believe it's simply, and, and Seth mentioned this is what happened, that people are going to use him as a symbol for their own inner communications. And if you have a symbol that you don't recognize as a symbol, you think it's a fact. Mm. So, um, okay. but if anybody believes that Seth like was some kind of a personality, and if they want to take his word like as a person, you know, you trust what the person says. He clearly said he would not ever speak to anyone else but Jane in order to maintain the authenticity and the integrity of the material. Mm. Um, so that yeah. I, 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 you know, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand what that, you're saying. Yeah. Somewhere I had some quotes where you said there's some brief ones. I forget where. Mm-hmm. I have yep. it around me. But I, I do love the fact that, it, I mean, she started um, channeling. Now we say, you know, well, yes, me, yes, it be called yeah. medium, but now they're called, we're called channeling. She started channeling stuff back in 64, uh, um, mm-hmm. back when there wasn't many people channeling at that time now we have quite a few but i think i think the reason we have so many channelers now is because the, i believe mankind is evolving and i believe um spirit is yeah. coming through through stronger yes. um when jane started doing this uh yeah people who did mediums and stuff were like in carnivals and sideshows really um this guy named john Clemo wrote a book about channeling and he credits uh, jane and seth for ushering in the modern New Age uh, era of, yeah. of channeling and things, because all this stuff really happened basically after after Jane, not after she died, but after Seth started uh, speaking and coming through. And Very I good. looked up, and Seth, I was interested. He did use the word channel uh, himself, not not calling Jane a channel or channeler, but he he in the '60s he did use the word he he uh, he used the word channeling actually. Okay. Yeah. And okay. he said he came through to teach and that he does mm. it because it's fun. Okay. And um and that's uh yeah, so that that's why uh it was the right time. He said he had been training Jane for this for I don't know if it was lifetimes or throughout her whole life or or, or whatever. And then she, when she was ready, it, it it first happened on a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. She was writing a book about ESP. She didn't believe she was a science fiction writer and a poet. Okay. And she didn't believe in this new age. Well, it wasn't new age stuff called, but she didn't believe in these like things, you know, paranormal or, or, or whatever. But she was good, supposed to. She got uh, paid. She was going to write a book about ESP, and and she experimented with different things. And she tried the Ouija board, and doing the Ouija board, that's where Seth actually first came through. And mm. uh, and then eventually she started hearing the words herself and. Stopped the Ouija board and she started speaking. Okay. And, um, 
and then that's how that's how Seth uh, found his way to come through. Wow, very good. Yes, it's um, his material is awesome. It really is. Um, you want to? We we touched upon the the uh, um, simultaneous lives and um, parallel lives uh, a little bit of of his um, concepts. Do you want to talk about some other some of his other concepts? Um, um, sure. I just want to just to keep it the terms. Again, nothing is wrong with parallel lives or saying parallel lives, but just because we're talking about Seth. Um, right. His hap- his expression happened to be he called them probable like probable realities and probable lives, but I think okay. I think it is uh, I think it's identical to what you're saying is parallelized and what yes. quant- you know scientists. The only difference between Seth and what science basically says about parallel lives, you know, Seth talks about as you touched on, there's a communication on go- between our probable selves and us. It's not like they're just totally separate. Of course. That we yeah. you know there's communication and with our future you know like a, you know like let's say you you're doing this radio show now but you doing this radio show might have like met in the dream state with you when you were 6 and you had a conversation that you woke up and that inspired you to do this so you were really influenced by your own future self right uh, I and things like that that could occur and one other thing interesting about simultaneous time it means that you could be born two things it means one that you could you could die in the year 2000 and then be reborn in 1970. You know, you don't have to always be reborn into the linear future. You right. could uh, you could be born in the past, from the point of view of linear time, you could be born in the past or the future, which means right. if somebody died today and was reborn in 1980, um, well, let's say um, they, were, they could meet each other. In other words, you could share linear time periods with one of your incarnations, mm-hmm. and you could meet. You might not ever know it, but you could meet and either get along or not get along. Right. And um, yeah. So you you and and Seth called them. Uh, what do you call them? I forget at the moment what he called them. But um, there wouldn't you know, be tw- twin twin souls. I've heard that term. No, 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 no. It wasn't that at all. It began with this. I don't know why I can't think of it now. Um, Whole, when, when you have this, when you say, I'm talking to my wife for a moment. That's when you okay. share the same time period with, with with another incarnation, I just can't think of the word for some reason. It's I, a real I've simple heard of word. That. Counterpart. Yeah. Counterpart. It's a counterpart. That's the word. Seth recalls them a counterpart. So you're sharing okay. the same linear time period with another incarnation or with or an reincarnational self or an incarnational self. But since time is simultaneous, you, you could be born in the same linear time period. And he called right. those uh, counterparts. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's similar uh, interesting, to, too. Yeah, that's similar to Bashar. Bashar, um, it comes through Daryl Anka, and Daryl um, Bashar is his future self that he channels. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. I've heard he, some, he, some of him. He, yes, he actually channels his, his future self. Uh-huh. So that, no. that's, keep, it yes. in, keep it in the family. Yes. <laughs> yes, and, and a yeah. lot of his his material, Seth's material and Bashar's teaching are very similar. Very similar. But um mm-hmm. so um can you There's usually you, one one um there's one you asking about different concepts. There's one concept that um I've only so far found uh in, in the Seth material. 
and not in, in the others. You know, most of these channelers and entities are going to be giving the same material because they're telling us about the same, you know, truths, the same, exactly. you know, so to speak. So truth be, is truth. Oh, <laughs> Very yeah. true. But one of the things Seth talks about is what he calls violations of natural guilt. And according to the Seth material, the, the purpose why we're here, we, we, we're, we're born, is to, is to uh, like the full secret, half the secret is what everybody talks about, that um, you, you, you create your own reality um, with, your, with your, you know, beliefs, your thoughts, beliefs, or whatever, you know, so you create your own reality. But then the second half is that to do so, and you're supposed to do so without harming others, with helping and not harming others. And mm-hmm. that's crucial, according to Seth, to moving on into to leaving reincarnational cycle behind and moving mm-hmm. on to other. Uh, and you touched upon this when you said how important it was to um, you know not not hurt others because we're all connected at, at the same time. You know, we're all part of all that is. So if you hurt mm-hmm. somebody else, you're hurting a part of yourself. Yeah. And um, and that Seth said that when we do move on, reality creation is in, much is instant and and also much more intense. So we're supposed to learn here not to harm others and to help others, and and also that you do create your own reality and how to do that. So why you need um, the linear time, and one of the important things about linear time is there's a time lag. So when you do something, it just doesn't instantaneously happen. So if if I want to hit somebody over the head, I have a moment of reflection. I could think about it. So right. according to Seth, there's this concept called violations and natural guilt. Now, violations isn't really violating other people. It's more violating your own nature. And we are, according to Seth, again, you know, we, we are innately loving, compassionate, and good. So if you violate your own love, compassion, and goodness, you know, that's the violation. And you do that when you harm other people. You're violating your own you know, compassion, your own goodness, and your own lovingness. So when we do, when you, in that pause of reflection, before I'm about to hit somebody over the head again, that's where what Seth calls natural guilt comes into play. It's not like you're feeling guilty because of, uh, you know, like, I don't know, you did something. Uh, it doesn't, it, but, it, but you know, I mean, it could be. But he says we have an instinct that we instilled within ourselves, or, or uh, our souls instilled within ourselves, this kind of instinct, to prevent us from repeating harmful acts. So we learn mm-hmm. not to do it. And he calls that natural guilt and the the harmful acts he calls the violations. And that is something I've yet to hear anyone in any other uh medium around today or channeler. I've heard it in one other place. There was a, a medium, a really interesting guy, uh, his name was Davis, his last name, Jefferson something mm-hmm. And they was, and it was from the 1800s. He channeled like from 1848 to, let's say, 1900 or something. And he was okay. very similar to Seth and dictated books and other things. But anyway, he talked about, in his terms, uh, also violations of natural guilt. He called it something else, but it was clearly the same concept. But besides uh-huh. that, it's something, uh, usually when people hear about it, like natural guilt, they go, oh, you don't have to feel guilty. Everything you do is the other person agrees to it and, or, or whatever. And that's a, a, another misconception, in my opinion, of what people do with the idea of there are no victims. And, and according to th- this New Age stuff, you can't do something to somebody unless they telepathically and subconsciously agree to it. You, you know, you can't murder somebody. Um, but this doesn't mean 
that it's okay. You know, murder well, or harm, violence I, I, and murder is I never justified. A, I, I have a, a little take on that. Um, I, I believe we are all divine um, sparks of God. We're, we're, and what I'm hearing in those teachings is that on a higher level, in the spiritual realm, we agreed, we, we made, con- we're actually, we can't, my belief, we can't even meet a person on the street without having a soul agreement before we came into this right. life. Right, I would agree. Everything that happens, okay. we choose our moment of death, we choose our moment of being born, exactly. we choose our family. So, There's always so on an a, ongoing, ongoing right. so telepathic on a soul agreement level. going on. Right. On a soul level, we agree, okay, you're going to kill me in this lifetime. You know what I mean? It's not, but yeah, but not let me, saying, let me we're stop not you condoning. There. I, I want to just stop you there for one minute because the agreement is, to me, the agreement, if that would be the agreement at the end, on the soul level, the acceptance. Uh-huh. I will, you know, I'm, I'm attracting you. But on, But before that happens, the agreement really is, I want to be murdered. So I'm now attracting somebody who, to murder uh-huh. me. But mm-hmm. what happens in that that person though has the conscious choice to act it out or not. He doesn't. Right. He's not compelled, obligated to kill me because I want to be killed. I'm attracting him, so I'm right. offering him the choice, and he can he can have this choice in no other way, unless somebody offers him the choice to accept either answer. So for somebody to learn to say no, they have to be attracted to somebody who's willing for them to say yes. But I believe the whole purpose is for the the perpetrator person is to learn to say no and then say telepathically, you still want to be killed? You go find someone else if you still want it. I'm not going to do it. And the person might change his mind. These blueprints are not written in stone. We have free will and we can learn things in many ways. So, um, But that's what's overlooked a lot, I believe, in the New Age uh, discourse where where a lot of times it, there's a, a lack of compassion, in a way almost, for people who are victims because they say there are no victims. And on one well, level, the soul level, there are no victims. But on our level, if somebody, if, if uh, you know, and Seth uses the term victims, I mean, they're victims of war and victims of this. On our everyday level, People get victimized. That doesn't mean they didn't agree to it beforehand, and it doesn't mean everything else we said is still true. But we do live on the physical plane, and like we say tomorrow and we say yesterday, even though there's no linear time, a person who is a victim in our our life, in in our things, is someone who didn't consciously choose to be hurt and had no reasonable expectation that they would be. So if somebody, you know... uh, is caught caught in a hurricane. He's a victim of, of the storm or, or of bomb drops. He's a victim of that. Someone gets killed. It's you can say he's a you know he's a victim. He's the murder victim. But it, you have to be aware, you know, that I don't mean that this happened against you know. It, it's still his choice on on the soul level. But right. when people just say, oh, you, don't forget about it. It's not vic-, they usually end up. Excuse, I don't know if excusing is the right word, I, I but excusing the saying, act of murder, I, and when murder is still not justified. Right. Even though and there's no yeah, death. Of course, yeah, murder is never justified. But I think when you go to the, like me, I like to keep things, take it to the core. The core is love. So at, um, at, at the core of everything is love. 
It's either an a act of love or a cry for love. And that's where it comes to me, it comes to the oneness. When we understand that we're all one and we're all connected and what happens to one person happens to all of us. See, when people mm-hmm. really understand that at the core of your being, then that, that will alleviate any harm done to anyone, any place. You understand what I'm saying? Well, yeah. Because yeah, I understand what you're saying. Uh-huh. Wouldn't you? Yeah, love. According you know, in the Seth material, I'm, I'm pointing out what's in the Seth material because we're talking about the Seth material, right? And but right. Uh, I agree with this. All these things I'm saying, or else I differentiate that I, I disagree. But he says like love is the basis for all existence. It's it's the it's the glue. Uh, it's my term that holds everything together in the first place. Um, right. Yeah, and that um, the eventually that people yeah when they feel when they realize. When they feel they're he, when you're according to Seth, he says he doesn't say you're, you're he says you're only responsible for yourself. You're only mm-hmm. responsible to understand yourself. And a lot of people mm-hmm. take that as okay. I don't have to care about other people. I'm responsible for myself. But that's not what what he means by that. That's not what and that means. When I read means, more, what he's talking yeah. about is that if you're being truly spontaneous and truly yourself, you would realize all these things you're now saying about you know we're all connected. So you would want to help other people and not harm other people. And it would not be an obligation. It would not be a responsibility. It would just be natural because you would be acting in harmony with your nature. So your responsibility is to know yourself because once you truly know yourself or in that direction, you will choose not to harm other people. Not to hurt. Exactly. But if you think of it as an obligation, and if you think of it as an obligation, you might resent the other people or do think we, of it as responsibility. So, if a person um, thinks of it as an obligation, they don't understand themselves. So that's why Seth is right yeah. when it all comes. Because also, the outer is an illusion. The outer isn't real. The only thing that is real is within. So when you go, that's why Seth said all your answers are within. You have all the answers inside you. So when you go inside of you and really tap into the core of your being, which is love, you are love. That's the essence of who you are, and that's the essence of who everyone walking on the planet. They are the essence of love. And when they go inside and tap into that love, all they want to do is love everybody. Is that, that's, so that's why you go in. You tap into that love, and then you send love out into your universe. You get me? So I get you, but I uh, understand what you're saying. Uh, And I, in my terminology, my understanding of things is, I have a thing about the word illusion. There's certain words that have too much baggage for me, and it's I the outer stuff. It's because when you say it's an illusion, it it says like it's not real or it's not as important. You know, it's just an illusion. Like like no, not that I'm saying it's not real. we create it so from within. I'm, you yeah, create but, but your I outer world from within. So, but I just like when I hear somebody speak of that, the out, everything's an illusion. I enjoy saying that um, it's 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 a real aspect of reality. It's not that it's it's an an illusion. It's that there's more to it than meets the five senses. Because when some people hear it's an illusion. They start thinking it's not as important, or what does it matter, or I can, uh, you know, I could hurt people, it's just an illusion, there's no death anyway. So when you think of it as just a, a valid aspect of a greater reality, 
um, that has its its importance because it's teaching us these lessons about reality creation and not to harm others. So it's a there's more now. to it. You know, on one on one sense, on the level you're speaking, everything in physical reality doesn't exist. I mean, there's no kitchen, there's no physical object, there's no phone, there's no anything. So it's right. a matter of course. In order to survive every day, we we automatically accept the quote-unquote illusion is being real, and you have to because we chose to experience it. It's like you right. don't go to a, a, a baseball game and then say, well, w- when does the football game start? Well, you know, I'm, what, where, where is You're the, at a baseball game. The concert, yeah, yeah. Where, right. where are the, where, where the grapefruits in aisle six? Well, you're at a baseball game. You're not going to be here. And when right. we choose to be in physical reality, we choose to accept the quote-unquote illusion as real, or else we wouldn't learn anything. It would be, the, it would the be meaningless. The point I'm trying to say, Barry, is the illusion has to come from somewhere. The yeah, illusion comes from, within, it comes from within you. That's where the illusion yeah. comes from. So you yeah, are creating the illusion from within you. So, if, yeah, so we, the illusion is a mirror. So I love this analogy. Okay, you're looking in a mirror, and you're crying. You're crying, and you're yelling at the mirror to smile, the reflection in the mirror to smile. Because that's all the outer world is is a reflection of your inner world. So if you're crying on the inside, the, the, mirror, you, the reflection of you in that mirror is going to be crying. If you're smiling on the inside, the reflection of you in that mirror is going to be smiling. So what we try to do is most human beings, what we try to do, we're crying on the inside, but we're demanding that reflection to, to smile. Okay, I'll go along all, with all that. Huh? You do I, I said I'll go along with all that. Okay. I, I, so that's I, I, what I'm saying. That, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. When we want to see change in our world, the change in our world comes from within us on yeah. an individual was, basis and then collectively as each of us change, as each of us tap into love inside ourselves, that love uh, just spreads out and it collectively changes our world. I would say, I would just add to that, yeah, that it change has to first come from within, but then you also take actions, you know. Okay. So if... if uh, um, and that's all. That's all I'd add to that. That people, where where physical reality is a reality of action and interaction. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. you you help others. Um, yeah. You don't just think to help others. You then you can help others. It's you help others. You exactly. pick up something yes. falls in the soup. Something falls in aisle seven where the grapefruits are. For some person drops it. You bend down and pick it up and bend you give it to them. Pick it up. Yes. You know, Very or, or on great or on great. You know, and then, and then on worldwide. You know, terms too. You 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 solve mm-hmm. worldwide problem, but yeah, right. it has to first come from within, you ch- and then you take the action. And also about creating reality on the other level, according to the Seth material, you know, we create every physical object that we see. Mm-hmm. And so, if, if five people are in a room, each person is creating a TV set that they right. see, and it's kind of superimposed on. Uh, so it looks like there's one TV set. But telepathically, right. we agree on where it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like. Right. And um, but and I only actually, see the TV I create. You know, right. And you see exactly. The TV you That's what I was about to say to you. Exactly. If there's five people, there's actually five different 
realities because they're all in their own. We create our own reality, and it's only our perception. So there could be five people looking at the same TV, and they're seeing something totally different. You know what I mean when I say it's not. I, you know, someone would say, didn't you just see that? And they're like, what? You know what I mean? You, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, but there's it's an, there uh, an agreed-upon. Right. There is a basic kind of agreed-upon right. what appears but to be a shared reality. Yeah. Um, and But but there aren't. So I believe, like someone who's anorexic, mm-hmm. that's an example where their, their, their personal reality is differing too much from the shared-upon agreed reality. That the person who's anorexic... I believe they actually see themselves, you know, as really skinny, as, as right. totally, you know, they, they. No, actually. No, no, I'm sorry. They're, they're they see themselves as too fat. No, the anorexic. Right. Right. The anorexic sees themselves as overweight, as too fat. They right. really see it that way, because right. they they have, uh, you know, this uh, their personal reality. It, it doesn't superimpose properly with the rest, which it's supposed to be. So they end up being the person who's really skinny, but thinks they're thinks they have to lose more weight. Yeah, yeah. But that's how I believe that you know that they see that. You know. Yes. Well, that's so, true. But that's the more true. there's a more or less agreed upon things. There was a great Star, not Star Trek, uh, Twilight Zone, where mm. everybody thought this plane was real. It was in this field, you know, land, hangar. And they didn't know how it got there because it was empty. It landed with nobody in it. And then mm-hmm. when they started talking more, they realized somebody saw red chairs inside and somebody else saw blue chairs. When they read the number on the tail, some you know, there were different numbers. Mm-hmm. And that, and then it ended up it wasn't really there. But the the point is that's how we create reality. I believe that we do. We, we, there are differences, yes. uh, but we don't notice them. So when, when somebody it commits be, a crime. But, and the police right. take a police report, and somebody said, yeah. well, he had a mustache, and he didn't have a mustache. Yeah. They, that's a that's perfect the different example. ways they see it. You know, it's not that's, like, exact, um, that's a perfect example. Yeah. You get you have five eyewitnesses to a crime, and a policeman go to each five separately. He'll get five totally different perceptions because it's all about our perception. So what the, what I'm saying is that it's very – the, a lot of times, like if we're all watching the same television show or the same TV, it could be very slight. The differences could be so slight that we wouldn't even mention them. But yeah. each person actually is watching a totally different television set. So it's just because we're creating our own unique reality, which is yeah. It's and amazing. for the sake of for the sake of consistency, usually the differences do not interfere uh, exactly. with anything. Exactly, and, um, and that helps. But it what, especially helps when driving. Yes. <laughs> that was, especially helps that we we agree that this road is here, and then yeah, we and all drive on the same or, side of the road. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and we red. stop at that stop sign, and that stop sign yeah. is there. So, the yeah, stop so. sign is not a go sign, and yes, <laughs> the red light is not green. Things like that. Right, the red light is red. Yes, so it, yeah. it definitely it definitely helps to have a very con- consistent um, reality when we are driving. <laughs> so, yeah. A lot of times when people have arguments about, you know, their own past interaction, I didn't say that. You're the one that said it. Yeah, exactly. Or, or whatever it is. Perception. They're probably just um, remember, I, uh, exp- rem- I don't know, recreating it differently, let's say. Or or they experienced mm-hmm. differently in the first place, or they're, they're now changing it. I don't know. 
Because I no, it's their perception. Is, is, is everybody has a different perception? I have this conversation with people a lot of times. It's it's all perception, and everybody's different. Is per, everybody's perception of something is different because they are creating their own reality. Yeah. So it yeah, is. So it's not like out. they're. It's not like they're trying to lie or any of that. Their perception of what you just saw is totally different. Yeah, what but I agree with you, but at the same, now I'm just adding another dimension. Sometimes people mm-hmm. are actually trying to lie. You know, it's not like oh, yeah. there's no well, such thing as uh, lies. So thrown yeah. into that are people <laughs> yeah. can, can be lying, which is right. gets can, could get confusing right. if uh, when you're trying to figure out what's actually happening. Exactly, um, that's true. True. Yeah. No, I'm not to say that people don't lie. <laughs> yeah. Not to say that. But in the honest, sometimes, honest a lot of times. I, an honest disagreement will start between friends because of perception. Not Both of them are being completely honest in their perception, but their perceptions were totally different. And that starts a lot of arguments, I believe. Yeah, you and thought, this, yeah. Course, this perspective could end them if we, if we remember them. I mean, it could be something simple. I, you know, you didn't tell me about uh, the TV show. I told you that we should watch that TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you go, what are you saying? I said to you, let's watch that TV show. <laughs> and then they go, what, you did it. What's wrong with you? You have, you're losing your memory, blah, blah, I don't know. So uh, it, there's always more to going on than meets the eye, I guess. Yes, yes. Or the ear. So true. Very true. Now, let me ask you, why um, the title of your um, poetry book, Outside is a Secret Key, what, what, um, that title, what does that mean, Outside is no, a Secret it, yeah, Key? Yeah, it, it was tied into, it's tied into the concept of the present is the point of power, uh, where okay. you can learn that there are, you know, when we have dreams, we always think in terms of, like, what does it symbolize, or is that really, you know, what does the chair symbolize, or... There was a rose in the, somebody handed me a rose, and what does that symbolize? So one of the things I think is good to do, and probably Seth said this also, is um, to try to look at your life as a dream and try to interpret the objects in your life as symbols also, like you interpret your dream. You know, interpret your walk home from the candy store. Interpret, mm-hmm. you know, try to look at your objects around you as, as symbols, in the same way you look at dreams as symbols. And so outside is a secret key means the, the, these symbols hold answers to us. You know, there are, <laughs> there are many secret keys to uh, outside that could help us understand ourselves and others. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's where the title uh, came from, so to speak. Okay, I like that. I like that. And I love how you said how Seth says uh, of the now. Uh, I can't say how he said uh, the now is your point of power. Yeah. Is that how he yeah, said it? Yeah, the present. The present the is present, the point of power. The present is the, the point present. of power. And, very, and, very true. And another cute little slogan he used came came up with was, uh, "You're as dead right now as you'll ever be." Mm-hmm. No, I like that. I like that. Yeah. yeah a little pithy. A little yeah. pith, Seth, Seth mm-hmm. pithy. Pithiness. Mm-hmm. Yes, to take away the fear because there should, you know, shouldn't be. I, that's one thing I have to honestly say I've never feared is death. I, right now, I believe. Honestly, as much as I can with all mustard, there is no fear. I have no fear because um, I know that everything that happens in my reality is um, for my highest good. And I'm, I own it. I'm creating it. <laughs> and I know I'm creating it from my, my, highest, my higher self is uh, 
in charge and in, sent. In, but I'm not separate. I don't take myself out of that, out of the equation. Um, my linear perspective is that a human linear perspective is very limited. And I know that my higher self that knows all, that sees all, that knows all my other lies and knows what's going on, whenever something occurs or happens in my reality, I know it's for my highest good. And I know that I am creating it. So I, um, I just, you know, it's like, okay. Even, you know, I was like, okay, now what is in this experience that I'm supposed to learn and get from. And, right, uh, and when you do that, the what you refer to as, you know, the, and I agree, the limited uh, perspective, let's say, it it expands, though. You could expand your yes. awareness, which gets yes. us into the idea. Seth has a unique view of the word ego, because a lot of mm. people in religions put down ego, Get above, you got to get, be, be, get beyond the ego, this and that. So it says the ego is a part of your inner self. It's that part of your inner self whose job is to focus on physical reality. And, mm-hmm. it, feeds information, and it feeds information back to the inner self, and it receives information from the inner self. So the ego then also expands its definition of itself, the more it learns and the more it you know, learns about these other realities and stuff. And mm-hmm. so the ego isn't something to annihilate, which would be impossible. It's because okay. it's a part, it's not, a, it's not a, like an object that you have to knock off with a baseball bat. It's no, a, a part of your inner self. Yeah, the ego, the ego actually gets a bad rap. I agree with you 100%. The ego has a job, and the ego, ego's job is to protect, to protect your body. That is what the ego's job is. Um, so for me, um, the ego like says, okay, it's time to, you know, get some rest because you've been up for 12 hours or whatever and you need some rest. So that's the ego's telling your body, you, your, your spirit doesn't need, your soul doesn't need any rest, but your body does. So the, the ego's job is truly to protect the body. Um, yeah, that's one so, job I would say. You know, other job yeah. is to focus on physical reality and, I mean, deal mm-hmm. with situations and instances and f- give information back, you know, what you learn from it. Because according mm-hmm. to the Seth material, all that is, or God, is not a finished product. It's not done. It's it's learning, and it's learning through all its individual focuses because mm-hmm. the, we're separate and not separate. And if God didn't want to, or all that is, you know, didn't want individuals, it would have stayed non-physical in the first place. But that God itself... Or all that is is not finished. It's it's a grow. It's it's an in progress being, if you wish. Right. That's always learning, and it's learning from mm-hmm. our experiences. Part of which is our egos feeding back to our inner selves what's going on. So that's right. part of us helping all that is to uh, learn and grow. Well, I say I would say I feel that all that is wants to experience life through us. Um, and all it's, that's why we are so many different individuals. He, he wants to experience he, uh, all that is, and I'm just using the term he when it's no gender. <laughs> um, all that is wants to experience life, all there is to all aspects of life, uh, and not just in this reality, not in the, just this um, level of, of reality, not just earth, you know. Um, all that is wants to experience. Experience life through us, and well, I would agree. 
I would just add that it, it wants to experience life through us because it's still learning and growing through that experience. Like it, it doesn't just want to experience it just for for no reason. Let's say. I mean, I think that it does learn, and it's not a finished and it's not an end. It's always there's no end, and it's always right. learning more and growing. So I would just say what you said and agree with it, and then just add that uh, its purpose is to learn and grow also. So and if that's the case, only if that is the case, then the ego feeding information back to the inner self because we just ate a pizza in the pizza place and liked mm-hmm. it would be uh, helping yeah. all that is to, to learn and grow as well because it's like, getting yeah, our, unique, our yeah. unique take on what that pizza mm-hmm. felt like and why as opposed to your take on it. It's the mm-hmm. same way the different TV sets, there's different mm-hmm. reactions to that slice of pizza that we right. all love so much. Yes, <laughs> I love pizza, so I don't have a problem so, with that, but not so, all pizza. <laughs> I've had <no>. bad pizza. <laughs> yes, well, and we, yeah. we we report that back also. So mm-hmm. then all that is, yeah. writes that down. Okay, bad pizza yes. on 42nd Street. Yeah, no, don't go there yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. Next, next yeah. universe, don't create, don't create 42nd Street. <laughs> yeah. Very true. It's it's so interesting. So let me ask you now, with your one-on-one experience with Jane and Seth, how has that changed your your life? Um, I don't I don't know if the actual like interaction like let me uh I can so say how Seth class Seth class changed my life. Yeah. Yes. Seth class. Um itself, you know, changed my life because it made me, it, it, when I went to class, I, I was, I think, different than, than a, a number of people in general because I wasn't really looking for, you know, I was on my own, on my own journey. I was, still, I was a poet. I asked questions. I thought that people were good. I thought the universe was good. I, I wasn't, um, like, suffering. You know, not, not that I wasn't. I was always happy. But, I mean, I didn't have this something I could point to and say, this is bad and I, I need help and I need answers. So I, I went into Seth class because some friends of mine, you know, told me about it. I had, I wasn't mm-hmm. in New York at the time when I came back, they said, you know, we're doing this thing. So, um, so I, so Seth going to Seth class really built upon a foundation I already had. It kind of connected certain dots. Like I, I believe this and I believe that. And it gave, the the connection to it, but what it kind of emphasized is the idea that um, uh, people are good, you know, loving mm-hmm. and compassionate, and the significance mm-hmm. of that. I, mean, I once asked Seth, um, we were talking about war, you know, the Vietnam War was going on, there was like the generation gap, and there's adults. Anyway, I said, um, you know, why do people just kill each other all the time? And instead of answering, he told the class he wanted everybody to, to an assignment. What would the world be like if if you believed that you were good? And to me, that was key to everything. And I didn't get it right away, but I got it maybe a decade later. The full answer to myself was that when you believe you're good, you're not going to do things to hurt others. And if you see other people as good, you're not going to want to hurt them. And if you think somebody else is good, you're going to bring out the goodness in that person as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, the idea that people are good uh, was... was uh, Again, something that I did believe, I wrote a poem once called The Vietnam War Has Love in the Background when I was about 16. Mm. But it mm. built, it built, it, it strengthened that, uh, that belief mm. that, uh, you know, I'm good and other people are good. 
you know. Mm, there was a, a Seth, uh, sort of an affirmation that I, I, I made up based on different things I read, and it kind of sums it up. It says, uh, um, I am a worthy and deserving person who has the right to be happy. I have a mm. right to my place in the universe. I have a right to be because I am, and no further justification is necessary. And if That's anyone true. makes me feel differently, I have a right to turn and run from that person. Mm-hmm. And that's ba- based on some paraphrases and some exact thing, quotes, but that I call it a Seth affirmation that I made up. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that could also sum up what most what I most got out of uh, class, believing that. Wow, it, it, and how I would paraphrase Seth is that we are all uh, love at the core. We're we're all pure love at the core, at our core. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, but he says he but, says that the body is the soul and flesh. That mm-hmm. that there's no separation. That it's not like then and physical reality is something should be enjoyed and appreciated as oh, a yeah. part of the whole. You know, that it's the soul, the soul and flesh. The body is the soul and flesh. It's not something else. And um, you know, that so that I'm good and my body is good. Those are like mm-hmm. I, I would say, you know, to 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 fully believe that. Um, goes along with what you're saying about uh, love in the universe and everything in between yes. us. Yes. I love you. Very, very, very true. Love you. <laughs> love you. I love you. Yes, it's so true. I I just so for me, the truth of oneness, and actually, like I said, there are so many um, teachings, like, and I, for me, I study so many. Um, I couldn't even name them all. But to me, at the core, the teachings that the the, the thread that I found was oneness and love, is that we are all connected, we are all one, we're all part of the divine source, God, whatever name you want to give, all that is, um, and we're yeah. all a part of that, and all, all a part of all that is, and can never be separated from all that is, so that's, yeah, so that's people, the core I, that I found. People believe that. I was going to say, people believe that you're not going to rally them up to go to war too easily. Right. Yes. So they'll say, "You go exactly. fight. You want to do it? Go ahead. You do it." Mm-hmm. Right. Very true. You know, John I think. Dunn, I think. I think. I, in, I think in in our lifetime, you know, I think we're 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 heading in that direction. I truly do, and mm-hmm. I believe I it's so. going to come about sooner than we think. <laughs> yeah, John Donne wrote us quickly wrote this poem, and it ended. Do not ask for whom the bell tolls. That's like when you hear mm-hmm. the church bell ringing because somebody died. Do right. not ask for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. You know, if one person mm-hmm. dies, a part of you has died. And so exactly. you don't have to know that it was Joe Smith or something. He wrote that back in exactly. the 1600s. Mm, that's um, true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That's Very true. Saying, yeah. Yes, I do remember hearing that. I didn't. I never knew who wrote it, but I did hear that. That's John beautiful. Dunn. Dunn. Okay. Very good, beautiful, beautiful. Well, you know, an hour we have—it's <laughs> like we just—it's like I, you know, it's like being back in the '72. I was only ten, but it's like being back in the Seth uh, Jane Roberts living room again, huh? Trying uh-huh. <laughs> but um, wonderful. Yeah, it's Thank important. You. But you said that's that. You know, you said that humorously, but it's true. And a lot of people say, "Oh, I wish I could have lived back then. I wish I could have been there back then." You, 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 your life in the present, talking to your friends, talking to others, is what it was like in the class. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to separate it on some kind of nostalgic pedestal. 
you could experience the same things right now and the same emotions and the same everything in the in, in the present and right now in your dealings with, with anybody around you. You don't have to mm-hmm. go back to a Seth class. You have it now. Right, right now. Yes. Like like Seth said, the present is your point of power. I like that. Yes. That is so true. That is so true. Well, thank you so much. I'm so honored and so thankful for you coming on to Awake to Oneness Radio and sharing all things Seth with our listeners. And we will definitely, you and I will keep will keep in touch via Facebook and the Internet. And um, this has been wonderful. I love it. Well, if you ever want me back again, uh, I will come back. It will be uh, Awake to Tunis. Thank you. <laughs> Wait to do this. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Barry. You have a wonderful weekend, okay? Thank okay. you. Me I appreciate too. you coming on. Okay, you have a great weekend. I enjoyed weekend. it. Okay, bye. Thank you. I enjoyed you. Okay, love thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay. I love you. Love you too. Bye-bye. Bye.